All right, so my first question is um, for both of you. What is your title at the museum and what are your main duties? So Marcy? Of course. Uh, hello. We're so glad you're here with us today, <laughs> May. We're delighted to have this opportunity to speak with you all today. I am Director of Community Engagement and Marketing. So we have a large role here at the museum. Not only um, do we have a small but mighty staff, uh, we have a public information officer. Uh, we have Carrie Burns, uh, who's our digital marketing manager. Uh, we are heavily in, in partnership with our development office and also our um, associate office in getting the word out about the museum. Uh, we also are in charge of our capital area, capital area visitor services who bring in about 75,000 teachers and students to the museum daily, which is a huge, I mean, excuse me, daily, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> yearly, 75,000 yearly, and that's a huge part of our mission, is to reach out to school groups from across the state of North Carolina. And I'm Carrie Burns, I'm the digital marketing manager at the Museum of History, and my main duties are making sure the website looks good and edited and up to date. I also do the social media, specifically Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus, and we're going to be launching Snapchat fairly soon. Um, I'm also in charge of the e-newsletter that we send out twice a month. Right, very good, very cool. Um, so how long have each of you been handling the museum's social media? I have been here three years. And Carrie has been here since May. So in the museum world, we're still newbies. Uh, I would say the average person at the North Carolina Museum of History, the average staff, probably been here around 10 years. And have you, you I know Carrie, I know you have been handling social media since you started here in May, right? Yes, I have. And have Marcy, were you doing a little before that, or did you start in May as, start handling social media in May as well? I, we, we have been doing social media since I have been here. That has been a huge focus for us. And as people um, ebb and flow in and out of roles here, I also handle social media as well. We are a tag team. Uh, we really love to work together. It takes a village in the social media world, yeah, as much as we have going on here. Yeah, it definitely does. Yes. Um, and Megan, you help us as well. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> yes, Megan has great yeah. posts. Absolutely. That have actually brought um, news folks in, uh, reporters really? in. Yes, one of Megan's posts did. So it truly wow, does take I a village. Know. Thank it you, did, yes. So we are very grateful for everyone that works with us. I had no idea. That's yes, you did. <laughs> so, what does anyone else at the museum help with social media? Like ideas, taking photos for you, taking videos for you, helping you? create videos, does anyone else at the museum help do that? Definitely. Absolutely. We actually have a <clears throat> weekly segment called Textile Tuesday. Every Tuesday we'll post a picture of any kind of textile, a dress, a blanket, a sheet, um, and that's handled by our curators, Diana Belkite and Raylana Potiat. We also have our education staff. They have their own social media accounts. We have our Tar Heel Junior Historical Association run by Jessica Pratt. We have Beyond the Exhibits run by our own Chelsea Wager. And we also have the Longleaf Film Festival, which is a yearly um, indie film festival. And that's run by our education staff, Sally Bloom. So we definitely have many 
influencers and thought makers throughout the museum who are contributing daily and we're just so thankful for all their help yeah and of course marcy is (laughs) and megan as we pointed out earlier yeah that's awesome that's great um so you talked about this a little bit carrie but which social media platforms does the museum use and which do you find work best or which do you see the most engagement with so we use regularly instagram twitter and facebook a little more irregularly google plus um we try to post to google plus because it helps with if you if you're posting google they're gonna they're gonna help you out as far as uh um, search engine optimization goes and getting your your name to the top of search engines um but i think the biggest presence we have is on facebook where we have over twelve thousand followers and but each you know each channel has a very is very unique has a mind of its own and is really its own entity for instance we have our upcoming exhibit north carolina world war one which opens april 8, 2017 and it's going to be commemorating the centennial of u.s entry into the war and we've really found that on twitter there are so many groups associated to world war one and we've been posting the progression of the exhibit um because it's being designed and worked on all day every day by our amazing exhibit artists and designers and we've really been seeing a lot of engagement on Twitter especially we have been engaged by the National World War One Museum um, even internationally we have French journalists um, and and actually journalists from the UK who have been um, sharing everything we've been posting well not everything but a, a large amount of everything we've been posting um, and then when it comes to Instagram, I think really it's so image heavy when you have really beautiful shots like the picture from our our annual American Indian Heritage Celebration of all the colors of their traditional garb dancing. Mm-hmm. That gets huge, um, huge traffic on Instagram because yeah. I think that a lot of people go to Instagram mainly for the for the imagery and maybe less for the actual words and content. So you, it's really just finding what works best for each uh, platform and just and just building on that, I would say. Uh, Megan, I love that question. Um, Carrie honed in, but if I could sort of take a broad range view. Absolutely. Um, Carrie has an immense role here. Not only is he in charge of social media, but he's also in charge of our website. <laughs> so we have to be really strategic in our planning. Uh, we serve over 421,000 visitors a year. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, 75,000 school children. Um, we have three traveling exhibits right now we are promoting. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, um, I looked at our November-December programming, and we have 30 programs. So that's a lot of promotion going on, yeah. uh, even in a couple months, just to give you a really quick snapshot view. So we have to be extremely strategic mm-hmm. in how we do our promotions and with our time, given our limited staff. Mm-hmm. So I want to commend Carrie for all he's doing. Oh, thank you. And we really have to um, be strategic. It really is about just making mm-hmm. and setting priorities. So what we've started doing is making a content calendar Okay. two months in, in advance well for the next two months um for each different platform and what we're going to be posting about just the content that we're going to be posting about each day and i'll okay. send that over to you know all of our staff just to let everyone know what, what we're going to be doing um and that really that's good because as marcy said there's a lot to do with the website i mean we have workshops and live streaming events podcasts so having that plan for social media two months ahead of time makes it 
not as sporadic. Although there are events that happen, um, you want to be, you know, trendy. Mm -hmm. For instance, when Pokemon Go came out, we actually found out about it. Uh, I'd say a day after it started really getting popular, and we and we just saw how big it was and how much potential it had to explode. So we actually had a little bit of a campaign, a three-week campaign, where every Sunday from 2 to 4 we would release lures to get people into the museum. If you all aren't familiar with Pokemon Go, lures, um, when you set it on what's called a Pokestop, um, it had an immense amount of Pokemon show up. And it's kind of died out now, but everyone was really into it then. And we just saw a huge amount of traffic on Sundays of people coming into the museum and, and just going through the exhibits. And after they were done playing Pokemon Go, they stayed at the museum and were excited. And some of them hadn't even seen it. We got a lot of teenagers who, well, you know, teenagers are not always too keen on being at museums, but it was really it was really interesting to see the diversity that we got um, based on this idea. So my point of all this is, even when you make a content calendar, with social media, you really have to know exactly what's happening, you know, by the hour, because something crazy or inexplicable might happen, and you want to just jump on it if it relates to the museum in any way. Right. Yeah, even your best laid calendar, can, you know, something can pop up, and you have to make room for that. Absolutely. Exactly. I love this example. Yes because you have to stay current with what's trending on social media. You have to stay, stay current on what's going on around you mm -hmm. to, to increase the relatability. And this was a great example of bringing yeah. people in the museum that hadn't thought about us right. forever and really giving them experience of, wow, this is kind of a cool place. I may <laughs> even think about coming back. Yeah, exactly. We love that opportunity, so yeah. thank you. So, and again, we touched on this a little bit, um, but are there any platforms the museum isn't using and if so, was it a conscious decision? Did you just decide the museum is not going to benefit from using this platform? I'm not going to put time into it. Before I got here, we were using Pinterest a lot, and we're not using it as much anymore, and that partially is my fault. Um, I really wanted to focus more on, I guess, the three heaviest hitters in Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're getting ready to start using Snapchat. We have sporadically, but we're in the process of creating a geo filter for our, for our um, sorry, not geo filter, a profile image for our Snapchat account and similar to what we've been doing on Twitter and really all the social media platforms with the upcoming exhibit and just any exhibit, we think Snapchat would be a great, um, great utility for putting behind the scenes uh, videos and posts. Um, Instagram actually, about a month and a half ago, I believe, made what's called Instagram Stories. It's very similar to Snapchat, so we've delved into that realm already. Um, in fact, it's almost exactly clone of Snapchat. And even the Instagram creator said that. He <laughs> thanks Snapchat for giving the, the great idea. Um, so we've been using that as well, and I think that's been a good uh, way for us to transition into the idea of doing these quick little clips and seeing how, how that works versus you know, just our, our large YouTube videos, which we're also very active on, and I hadn't mentioned yet, so I'm glad I thought about it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't realize that the museum was active on YouTube, so that's really interesting. Um, what kind of videos are being posted there? We post videos about events, um, exhibits. So, for instance, we have our annual American Indian Heritage Celebration, fest, which is a, a festival um, 
celebrating the eight state-recognized tribes in North Carolina, um, and it's really just bringing attention to to the culture. We have over 99,000 American Indians that live in North Carolina um, currently, and it's just it's something we've done for, this will be the 21st year, and that's headed by Emily Grant from our education department. So we will have videos taken at these events, put together, and put on YouTube for people to see who maybe couldn't make it to the event. Okay. Okay. So things along the lines of that, we had our, our um, Made Especially FIBA Willie K exhibit, um, which if, if, if you all didn't see was about Willie K, who was a, a pretty famous uh, African-American seamstress in the 20th century in North Carolina at a time where segregation was still pretty, pretty much, well, you know, it was mm-hmm. still very active. Um, and we had a lot of interviews that we did with family members of Willie Kay. So just different kinds of creative content on YouTube for people who can't make it maybe in person to the exhibit. Yeah, I love that, that it's, yeah, that it's for people that can't make it to the museum or missed it or just want to know more, you know, not necessarily just promoting, which, you know, you have to just promote, but, but <laughs> I love that this is for you that could not come and see Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, I During the that. same with World War One. Yeah, that's very going to be very exciting. Yeah, that's really awesome. So, um, hashtags, especially on Twitter and Instagram, are there any hashtags that uh, you found really increase engagement? And I know you talked about Textile Tuesday, um, but are there any that you find just really increase engagement? Well, for our World War One exhibit, and Marcy actually can take credit for finding this hashtag. Um, Hashtag. You ran with it, thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. Hashtag, so we made our own hashtag, which is hashtag NCWW1, um, because our exhibit's going to be called North Carolina in World War I, mm-hmm. and it's a really long title to yeah. make into a hashtag, so we, we tried to make, well, we're still making NCWW1, um, but what, what has been around for a long time <clears throat> is hashtag FWW, which is, stands for First World War, okay. and, and we've seen... When we post that, we get a lot of engagement for any kind of any kind of Twitter posts we might make um, for people interested in the war, which is a larger number than than I'd even mm-hmm. thought, um, especially on Twitter, as I mentioned before. And I think visit Raleigh is definitely and downtown Raleigh hashtag is definitely big ones. In fact, we've made partnerships, and I think yes. Marcy can go over this a little better with visit Raleigh. The yes, um, the downtown Raleigh Alliance. Um, and the CVB is, we have found making partnerships is crucial for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all in this together and we all are trying to gain voices and so the more their strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. So that has been really helpful. We reach out to them and then they will retweet, repost, and that's been a fabulous relationship with our community partners as well. And Carrie's done a great job. We um, actually went and invaded Krispy Kreme uh, on Talk Like a Pirate Day, which was really fun. People don't expect museum staff to go and dress like pirates and be silly, and we did. And then Krispy Kreme started following us. And how many followers do they have, Carrie? Krispy Kreme, I think it's over 200,000 on Twitter. Yes, and so, and then we've had some reposts and retweets from um, Lowe's Foods and others some things that we're doing uh, here at the museum and talking about North Carolina food history. <laughs> so that type of engagement is really important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Lowe's Foods is a, I think it's both Carolinas. Yes. Um, but it's a, sort of a, a Carolina grocery store chain. Right. I think um, it was founded actually even in North Wilsboro. Yes. Yeah. 
it's really awesome. Yeah, I had never, yeah. I'm from Virginia. I've only been in Raleigh for two years now, and we didn't have, we have a Lowe's, like a Home Depot, but not a Lowe's food. And when I went down here, I was yes. like, wow, this is yeah. really nice. Yes, <laughs> and Cheerwine. Yes. And Krispy Kreme, mm-hmm. and all of those great companies were founded in North Carolina. So mm-hmm. they're very Absolutely. happy for us to be talking about them, and then they'll talk about us, and that's just how it works. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So questions, moving into questions about content, um, and we've talked about this a little bit. Um, how do you decide what to post, and do you post different things on different platforms? So when it comes to the decision of what to post, um, I will, like I mentioned earlier, make the content calendar and really, like Marcia said, we have 30 <laughs> events coming up November and December. We, of course, have the festival, the 21st annual American Indian Heritage Celebration. We have a handful of exhibits opening and exhibits that are currently open that we want to promote. So really, it's the marketing team meets up. Uh, we've actually done a Marcia's house a few times, which is lovely. And we, we just kind of brainstorm what is going to take priority for each day, each week, each month. And a lot of times, there are a lot of things to take priority. So when it comes to the decision of what to post, it really is a huge combination of the exhibits, events, festival, educational components, but also just North Carolina history in general. Um, Maybe something that happened on this day in North Carolina history, and I'll credit um, NCDCR across the street for for having a active blog on today North Carolina history. Um, I, I think it's just a blend because we are museum of history. We want to talk about what's happening in the museum, but we also are trying to foster passion for our state's history. So even things in Asheville and Waynesville and Garner, even though we're located in downtown Raleigh. I, th- I think we're really we really want to encapsulate all of North Carolina. So, if there's a beautiful picture sent to us of the Asheville Mountains, I'm going to post it because we're serving North Carolina and the people, and and even people who aren't in North Carolina want to promote North Carolina as a whole. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's the best way I can mm-hmm. describe the different. Um, content we put on and as far as different platforms go like I mentioned earlier I think it really depends um when like when you have a general post like I posted something the other day about it was a really beautiful picture that my my friend had of North Carolina in in Asheville in the mountains and it was fall and it seemed relevant because it's not it's not quite that beautiful yet but it's going to be in the next few weeks and it was a really pretty picture of the mountains so I just said you've got to love North Carolina folks and that you know I put that on Instagram Twitter Google Plus and Facebook and people like that but again when it comes to World War One I, I think Twitter's more more the the platform for that just because there are so many um groups associated with that and I think on Facebook because of the algorithm it only shows on your news feed I don't know if you all know this but it only shows a certain percentage of the posts you make so on Facebook, you have to be a lot more strategic with what you're going to post. Whereas on Twitter, you can post all day, every day. You can use Hootsuite or TweetDeck and plan those posts. And everything you've posted will show up in the news feed. And someone is bound to see them. Whereas on Facebook, you really have to, um, you have to strategically plan the post you're going to make. 
Yeah, it's interesting you say that about Twitter. I have noticed that there are, are a lot more, I don't know that academics is the right word, but museums and foundations and ICOM and all of these things are on Twitter that are maybe are not as active on other mm-hmm. networks. Yeah, and we see journalists really on Twitter a lot too. Yes. And and we're able to connect with, with you know, like journalists like News and Observer, mm-hmm. WRAL, WRAL Out and About, um, Raleigh Agenda, Walter Magazine, Our Stage, just different organizations have a huge Twitter presence. And I think tagging them on Twitter versus Instagram where you can just tag as many things as you want. Mm-hmm. Facebook where you might tag it, but they might still not really see it. The, the retweeting function on Twitter, in my opinion, is, is, is better than anything else, better than sharing on Facebook, yeah. better than reposting on Instagram. Because when you retweet, I mean, everyone sees that. And it's, I think Twitter is just the easiest platform mm-hmm. to be the most visible with every single message you're wanting to put out. Mm-hmm. We have been delighted with the results on Twitter from World War One Post, uh, not only locally, but nationally and internationally. We've been getting so much traction on Twitter, which is fabulous. And again, as you were saying, the journalists, so many journalists follow us, from the editor of the News and Observer to um, all across. And then some magazines like Walter is fabulous. You will tweet and then they will <laughs> publish it in their magazine the next month your tweets about thanking Walter for an article, this type of thing. So that engagement with journalists, they love it when you are, are posting their articles. Yeah. It's a <laughs> reciprocal relationship and it's a fabulous one to have. Yeah. And about the reach, this is something we've talked about in our class um, last week and the week before uh, we had to participate in Ask a Curator Day on Twitter. Um, and a lot of the takeaway from my classmates was that you can reach a thousand people in you know half an hour it's an incredible incredible reach that just by putting you know hashtag ask a curator it's incredible yeah yeah <laughs> um so we talked about this a little bit with the last question but um and i'm not actually going to ask you to estimate the breakdown of your posts percentage wise but um you s- mentioned you know exhibits and events posts about general museum info items about the collection, um, or from the collection, posts about Raleigh or other local organizations, and then posts about North Carolina, North Carolina history. Um, So I know that you guys, we've talked about, post a lot about the events and exhibits and general museum info, and then we just talked about, um, you know, state information and then local rally information, Um, but I'm really interested in items from the collection. How often, we talk about Textile Tuesday, but other than, than that, how often do we do you post from the collection? Fairly often. We sometimes, I've worked with the, well, we both worked with the our photographers. We have two phenomenal photographers on our staff, uh, Kent Thompson and Eric Blevins. And they actually, when I first got to the museum, we had met about posting some stranger, goofier artifacts that one might see and be like, huh? and just not really know what it was. So we started doing something called What Is It? Mm-hmm. And it's a way for our followers and the audience to really get their voice out there. So it'll be as simple as posting just a strange looking relic or artifact that we have in our collection and just literally asking, could this be this or maybe this? What is it? Hashtag what is it? And then. Some of the responses are, are hilarious, and, and it's, it's really been, I think, successful um, in just getting 
people who follow us not just to like it and be like, that's cool, or, or share it, but, but to be more like, what is that? And I was like, I wonder if it's this. And, and, and then we, I, I give it about a day for people to respond. And I'll, I'll usually respond to them and try to be you know, clever, as clever mm-hmm. as I can be um, in a response. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll say thank you to everyone for participating and congratulate the, the winners, so to speak, of who got it right. Um, that's been fun. And with World War I, the exhibit coming up, we've been, every Wednesday, posting uh, war posters. We call it War Poster Wednesday, which is actually a pretty popular hashtag on Twitter. But we've been doing that on Facebook and Twitter because um, we have several posters in our collection and, and some of the messages on these things are just are just wild. I mean, it just it just seems like they got away with anything they wanted to do. So, some it, it's funny because people who don't know about the war, it's just another element because um, we're tr- obviously trying to tell the story of it, North Carolina's story, but also the international story and how it, context. Yes, yeah. exactly, and how it affected everyone, and 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 how we're we're still feeling the effects a hundred years later. But these these posters are just some of them really. I think people are able to connect to them because there's because things have just changed so much, and they're just like I cannot believe they're saying that kind of stuff. Um, but we'll also post uh, pictures from our our artifact, um, the room where we hold many of our World War One artifacts. We'll we'll post about that and have people um, also kind of figure out what they're going to be. We've been doing some Facebook Live videos as well. Mm-hmm. Um, where we'll just talk about different facets of the exhibit. Um, a lot of them are about the artifacts and the story each artifact tells. We've been we've had our our deputy director Jackson Marshall um, and our um, curator Jean Marie Warzeski. We had our exhibit artist Robert Stone last week, just talking about different facets of the exhibit. Robert is, like I said, the exhibit artist, so he actually gave a little behind the scenes tour of what they've done so far and how they're making the trenches, what they're using. Jackson talked about some of the artifacts and Jean Marie as well, the artifacts and how, like where these came from, what this had to do with the war and, and why why you should care about it or, or if you want to. So yeah, I guess that would. Yes, um, if I may interject, when you all are in, out and in your fabulous museum world positions in the future, uh, we have been challenged recently. Uh, we, we constantly challenge ourselves to really step back and take the broad range view because it, when you are in, as I said, this rolling content where you've got 30 programs and three exhibits and uh, you have this mission to fulfill and so you, it's really easy to go down the road of we have to sell what we are doing here and you all need to come. Uh, you know, from an academic perspective, you all need to learn. Well, what we're trying to do is turn that on its head and say, this is about our audience. Who cares? Who really cares about this and why should they care? And let's make this intriguing. Let's make this surprising, you know, about the, our posters. Why? What? And people look at these and go, whoa, I didn't know history was like that. Well, that's what we want. We yeah. want that engagement, and we and it's really hard in in this role to, because you want to promote what you're doing, but we all constantly every day have to step back and go, who cares? 
what is it our audience wants? What will engage them and make give them that head turn, give them that surprise? And that's when they become engaged, as Carrie was saying in the artifact. What is this? Oh my goodness, that brings engagement. Yes. So I would challenge everyone just to step back in this role and remind themselves daily of that question. That's really yes. a really good point, Marcy. Sometimes I'll just stop what I'm doing during the day and go upstairs or downstairs to our exhibits and almost pretend that I don't work here for a second and just walk through it as, you know, as anyone else might and see what I think I personally would be excited about and try to really, like Marcy was mentioning, just tap into that persona, so to speak, of a person who has no idea about the museum, is only going to be interested in what they're interested about and just try to try to remove myself from my role and really just be like, what, what what's kind of, what's cool, you know, yeah. what's cool here? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. So, okay, so do posts from one of those, the categories, events or exhibits or North, general North Carolina history, do you see more, um, do, do posts from one of those categories tend to be more popular than others, or do you know some just fall flat? Or I think that with a lot of the content we do, some of it is, is more targeted to certain audiences than others. Um, I think when it comes to just North Carolina history in general, I think that's probably the broadest audience we get because people who don't even live here but might be interested in the history can you know retweet that share it or whatever when when there's no opinion put in it because sometimes I am a little subjective I don't always want to be but sometimes I, I, I just I have to wear that hat but I think when it when it's more objective that's probably the most shared information um, but it really is just finding, I guess, for a lot of it, your target audience. Um, we have a lot of educators, families, and that's why Pokemon Go was, was fun because we got those, those pre-teens and teenagers that came by themselves without a parent, and that's really that's, that's, that's fun to see yeah. because that's a different crowd um, than we're used to having. So I think that... When I'm on, when I do Twitter, I'll, I'll say hashtag Did You Know, and that's generally with the little emoji symbol of the hands <laughs> up, like they're saying that. And I think when I do that, and I talk about North Carolina as a state, and just like Krispy Kreme was op opened in, I think it was Winston Salem in so and so, and they have a picture of Krispy Kreme and tag them in it, and people were like, I didn't know that. They're, that's North Carolina, sweet. Um, or Pepsi was invented in New Bern, North Carolina, and all these really popular brands and I think that's that's something fun because that that's more than you know, that that's that's people love Pepsi, which is of course I mean if you're an avid coke I'm more of a Coke person myself, <laughs> but I like Wildcherry Pepsi, but that's totally off topic. Um <laughs> but I think that just reaches a, a broader audience. I think posts like that are are really fun to do because you get people from all over, um sharing that and I would also lo like to encourage everyone, please use emojis. Please have fun with this because 
people love this emojis <laughs> carry that you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, yes. <laughs> it's social media is fun because you can be yes. a little more playful. Don't be afraid to be playful. Exactly. Point, yes. Especially on Twitter, mm-hmm. you can just it's unexpected. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah, I guess you wouldn't always expect museums. Some some you know some some places are not museums, but just in general, some places have a very clear kind of almost like stern message and yeah. And I I just I just think. I'd seen what, what Marcy had been doing before I got here, and it was just it was fun and and relatable. And it was it was a little, it was sillier, but at the same time, um, relevant and and clearly stated. So you've got to find that balance of of having fun with it, but also making sense. Making yeah, making it relatable and relevant, mm-hmm. and making people want to read it and exactly. want to yeah. And the last question I have for you, um, North Carolina has a lot of dark spots in its history, um, and the museum has a lot of artifacts that some would consider inappropriate or controversial. Is there anything from the collection or from the exhibit that you have decided is off limits for social media, and why or why not? I love that question, Megan. Thank you so much for asking it. Um, And also, I love our director, Ken Howard. Uh, Whenever anything comes up that's controversial, I agree totally with what he says. He says history is controversial, mm-hmm. and we don't hide from it. That's who, who we are. We're a history museum, so we do not hide um, in our collection or anything else or what we display controversy because that's what history is. Yeah. A lot of it's from the eye of the beholder as well, yes. and so there are some things that we can't post because a photograph may belong to someone else. So we have to be clear and concise, and we um, need to be careful as well about our posts because sometimes you'll post something and you don't have the room you have to totally put something in context as you would if you were writing an article right. or um, a press release. So we, uh, we are cautious but we um, don't hide from our history and we are delighted to be here and display and show and tell because people want to hear the stories mm-hmm. of the people of North Carolina. We have visitors from all over the world, Megan, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Any time that I may be running around downstairs, like Carrie said, I may be run into someone from India or Russia. Uh, it's just fascinating. So we want to be really clear on our mission. Yeah. And we want to invite everyone that's listening to come mm-hmm. to the museum, uh, be part of our over Oh my goodness, 400,000 visitors a year and be part of our family. And also, I'd like to invite everyone um, to take a look at our social media and give us your thoughts. Of um, We certainly don't have all the answers, and I think that anyone's in the social media world knows that you have to stay current, that no one has all the answers. It's a brave new world. Mm-hmm. And so we love input, and we also um, love our social media ambassadors like Megan <laughs> that come here and they'll tweet and they'll repost. And we welcome those as well. So thank you, Megan. Yeah, thank both of you so much. For being so much. with us today. Yeah, thank you. Of course.